Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to Orange and Blue Blood, hosted by EJ Stewart and Tommy Beer. Let's get to it, New York. Jared Dubin is my guest today. He has the last night in basketball newsletter. Make sure you guys check it out. I want to talk about the Knicks coming into this season. So many fans are optimistic about the direction of the organization. Uh, the team made the playoffs two out of the last three years under head coach Tom Thibodeau. Last season won a playoff series for the first time since 2013. As we mentioned, he returned most of their roster despite the, part, the departure of Obi Toppin, Dante DiVincenzo. He adds to the mix. He's now going to hope to provide shooting and versatility in the backcourt. Randall's coming off an All-NBA selection. R.J. Barrett had a really successful playoff run and a bronze medal one at the at the FIBA World Cup. Uh, how do you see the Knicks stacking up in the East? I saw that the, the NBA had their GM rankings or their GM poll come out uh, today on Tuesday, and the Knicks came in fifth in that polling. Uh, where do you see the Knicks stacking up with the rest of these? Yeah, I mean, I think Boston and Milwaukee are a clear cut above the other teams in the East. And then, you know, I saw that poll. It's like the Knicks votes were essentially split between like third, fourth, and fifth. And mm-hmm. I think that sounds about right. Like them, you know, Philly, Miami. Um, I can't remember Cleveland. who else. Cleveland. Cle- Cleveland. And then I think Atlanta was in seventh. But those those next four teams from three to six – you know, Philly, Miami, New York, and Cleveland, those seem like the right teams to be in that mix. And I can see them finishing in, you know, pretty much any order, barring, you know, injuries affecting someone. And the Knicks might be a little bit more susceptible to bad injury luck than other teams because they had such good injury luck last year in terms of the guys in their rotation, for the most part, staying really healthy until pretty much like the end of the year when Randall hurt his ankle and Brunson was having a little bit of issues and then quickly gets hurt in the playoffs. But for the most part, they stayed really healthy last year. And obviously we know that they like to load minutes onto their top guys and they, they've been able to stay healthy despite that, but that doesn't mean it's going to keep happening that way. But to me, somewhere between three and six seems right. You know, if everything goes absolutely right and things go a little bit wrong for, you know, Cleveland or Miami or Philly, I could see them getting that three spot. And if everything not everything goes wrong, but if things don't go perfectly and one of those teams has, you know, a, a really good year, I could see them finishing sixth and still not being like a disappointing team, you know, still finishing in, you know, mid to high 40s and wins or something like that. And because the East is, you know, pretty deep in terms of that top six group, you can be, the Knicks can be just as good as they were last year, but not get that, you know, three or four seed. Yeah, I mean, we saw the AFC last year, Miami upset Milwaukee in the first round and, of course, go to the NBA Finals. So um, the Eastern Conference does have a lot of quality teams, especially that top with Boston and Milwaukee. Do you feel like there is any reasonable shot for the Knicks uh, to, to to find a way to to take a step up next season? You know, they, they won one playoff series last year. They took the Miami Heat to six games. Uh, with Boston and Miami, it, it, a lot of people feel like they're just on a collision course for the Eastern Conference Finals. But is there any way the Knicks or anybody else you could see maybe taking a step up and maybe knocking those teams off once we get to the playoffs? Yeah, 
I mean, for the Knicks, it's going to have to come through internal improvement, whether that's, you know, it's, it's basically does RJ Barrett, Quentin Grimes, or Emmanuel quickly take like a really significant step forward and become like a close to all-star caliber player is the way that that happens. Um, I'm not sure given the way the team is structured and given the way the opportunities are doled out that that is necessarily in the cards in terms of them, like leaping up to be as good as Milwaukee or Boston. They have played Boston well over the last couple of years, but obviously Boston is now a significantly different team with Drew and Kristaps Porzingis in there instead of, you know, Marcus Smart, Grant Williams, and Robert Williams. So I'm going to be interested to see how they play. Milwaukee is a team that is like constructed to beat the Knicks because they're like, it's like, what if the Knicks, but everybody was 10% better? Um, (laughs) So it's, it's, it's been a really tough matchup for them, particularly they just don't have anybody who has anything for Giannis. Not that there are many teams that do, but they are low on big wings and their best matchup for Giannis is probably Julius Randle. And he's probably the worst defender in the rotation. So that's just not a good matchup for them. Yeah. It's like last season when we saw the playoffs unfold, I kept saying pretty much since we saw the the seedings shake out that I, I was afraid of nobody except Milwaukee. I, I felt <laughs> the Knicks played the Bucks. They, it might be a five-game gentleman sweep. It might be a sweep. I was very concerned about a Bucks matchup because, as you mentioned, they, they, they just match up so poorly with them because of Giannis. And like you said, the way the starting lineup is kind of and the rotation kind of set up, they just have much more talent in the spots where the Knicks are supposed to be strong. And now you add Damian Lillard to this mix, it definitely uh, makes them a tough team. Now, Tibbs, yeah, I think one thing co- with uh, yeah, go ahead. sorry, I think one thing with yeah. that Milwaukee matchup now, though, one of the big things that I thought Milwaukee had over them last year was they could that they could throw Drew Holiday or Javon Carter at Jalen Brunson, and That's neither true. of those guys is on the team anymore, and they don't really have a, you know, a a, a lockdown point guard defender like they did. Yeah, point of attack. Yeah, yeah. So that could change things a little bit. I do think the the defensive matchup is still really bad for the Knicks in that matchup, though, and might be even worse given you know Dame's ability to to pull up on pick and rolls and how much space you might get in those situations. Yeah, Knicks love playing drop like a lot of teams do, but they play it a lot. So I don't know what you're doing on Giannis, Giannis, and, and Dame pick and roll when Dame's pulling up from 35 feet out. So. Yeah, uh, or even hope. Giannis and, and Brooke Lopez, which is probably more likely to be a pick and pop. Like, right. if you're not, if you're giving Dane the space, he's pulling, and if you're not, then Lopez is wide open, and your big man is out of the paint. You know, yes. so it's uh, it, it's very difficult for them to deal with that type of type of attack. Yeah, I saw way too much film of Mr. Robinson trying his best running late at a big man who's got a wide open look. So uh, hoping we don't see team like Milwaukee in the postseason this year. Uh, but Tibbs uh, has seen a lot of success here as Knicks head coach, despite a lot of the criticisms you seem to share, many of the same criticisms I've had of him. How do you assess the job he's done overall in New York? I think he's basically been exactly what I thought he would be, which is he's a guy that is going to get all of the low-hanging fruit. The team is going to play hard every single night. That is not true for every team in the league. And when you do that, you're going to steal wins that you maybe shouldn't have gotten 
through your your effort and your execution. He's going to have a team that does not turn the ball over very often, that gets to the line a good amount, and that mostly wins the rebounding battle. Those are all things that can have you outperform your talent level in the regular season. But I do think tactically in the postseason, he is going to be overmatched and unwilling for the most part to make adjustments. That's just mm. who he has always been. And it's been that way for a really long time. And it's unlikely to change at any time soon. If there's one overriding thing about Tibbs, it's that he's going to do things his way come hell or high water. And there are a lot of times that that's going to work, but there are a lot of times, especially when you get into the postseason with teams that are willing to make significant adjustments against you. If you go against the heat and Eric Spolstra, he's right. going to you know keep tinkering until he finds the thing that unlocks what they need to unlock against you. And there are times that Tibbs is, is frankly just going to be a liability uh, in the postseason. And there are times where, his stubbornness with the way he constructs the rotation or which guys he has to have on the court at a given time are going to be a liability. And you knew what you were getting when you hired him and when you essentially didn't really run a coaching search before landing on him because Leon Rose knew who he was hiring pretty much as soon as he got the job. And I wouldn't be surprised if that was part of the pitch. Like, mm -hmm. you know what you're going to get. It's going to be, pretty good it's gonna be it's just the ceiling i think is a little bit capped and that's okay to a certain extent because they're trying to reestablish their competence but i do think if they want to you know reach a higher ceiling it it's it's not necessarily in the cards with tibbs unless you get him an offensive coordinator which is something that i've been advocating for for years going back to his time with the bulls. I'm like, this guy needs like, yeah. you know, he was doc rivers, defensive coordinator. Mike right. D'Antoni would bring along guys as his defensive coordinator, wherever he went, if they got him an offensive coordinator and tried to run things a little bit differently, I might feel differently about that, but he's a, he's a good coach who has strengths and weaknesses, just like everybody else. Yeah. And that leads me to one, one quick question here. Do you, do you feel like, you know, there's been this conversation about the Knicks and maybe that or not. Maybe I think they, they are trying to eventually get a another superstar in here. Um, if you don't think Brunson superstar, a superstar in here. Do you feel like whoever that guy ends up being, if they do indeed make their way to New York, do you feel like Tibbs is the right man to lead the Knicks forward? If that's the case, because once you get that superstar name, the guy like the expectations change like going to the second round of the playoffs and no longer expectation. Now you're talking about winning a championship. You don't know what the roster is. So it's a little bit of a tricky question, but do you feel like Brunson plus a superstar? That's a difference maker with Tibbs coaching. Is that enough for the Knicks to meet the expectations they want? Do you feel like they would then have to then take a serious evaluation at where they are a head coach? Well, I think a lot of it would depend on, you know, a, who that superstar player is and B what they have to give up to get that player and who, and therefore like who is left over with those guys. Like a team is not two guys and a coach, obviously right, you, know, you, need, exactly. you need to surround them with really high level role players and guys ideally that can shoot, defend or both. Um, and obviously you need, you know, more than one guy that can create 
off the dribble as well. So if the guy that they bring in is a big man, you really need to have another perimeter player that can create looks, not just for himself, but for other guys too. So most of the answer to your question, I think, comes down to the answers to to those two questions. Gotcha. It's really tough to say, like, would Tibbs be my coach of choice if I was running a team? Probably not. Like, I, I would, I think that at a certain point, when you get into the playoffs, being able to find answers offensively is more important than the way he seems to value it. But that doesn't mean it can't happen. You know, like there are coaches that I would not have as the coach of my team that have won NBA titles before. You know, it's right. I wouldn't say that there's a coach or a player that you can't win with. It's about getting the right group of players in there and frankly, getting the right lucky breaks like beyond talent and injuries. Luck is probably the single most important factor in determining who wins the championship every year. So you got to get those things. Jared Dubin, my guest, he's been fantastic throughout this entire episode. I have one last question for you. I know we talked a lot about several Knicks on this team. Uh, Maybe outside some of the guys we've mentioned, what player on the Knicks team are you most intrigued to follow this season? For me, it's just the wing group. Like Mm. uh, Quentin Grimes, RJ Barrett, Josh Hart, Dante DiVincenzo, Emmanuel Quickly. Because if you game out the way the minutes are going to work, like Randall and Brunson are going to play their, you know, 34, 36 minutes, whatever it is. I would say there's a 99.9% chance that the center minutes are going to be split between Mitch Robinson and Isaiah Hartenstein. That does not leave enough minutes to go around for all of the the wing guys. And I know quickly is also going to get the backup point guard minutes, but there just aren't that many of them because Brunson's going to play a lot and deservingly. So, so, you know, who steps forward to take the lion's share of those minutes, what they decide they're going to make those decisions based on and who closes games more often than not. That's to me, the thing that is going to determine, you know, the, the way the next season goes.